Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lord, my soul thirsts once again this morning. I thank you that I can wake up and say praise the Lord. I can wake up this morning and worship the covenant-keeping God. I can wake up this morning and know that, Lord, you kept me through the night. Father, thank you. Thank you for this privilege to worship you. This privilege to declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. This privilege to declare that you are Yahweh and there is none like you. You are Yahweh and there is none like you. This privilege to declare that you are holy, you are righteous, you are worthy of praise. Father, be glorified this morning. Be glorified this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We have come into your presence, Lord, to say thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes the way plain and pure for us to come this morning. We thank you for the blood that has restored us back to our relationship with you. We thank you, Father, be glorified forevermore. As we read the word once again this morning, and as we seek to understand your word, we ask, Father, grant us wisdom, give us understanding, help us learn the lessons in your word, and let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining into devotion this morning. I am Morphe Ayenike. We continue reading the book of Mark. Yesterday we stopped on chapters 10. Today we read two more chapters, chapter 11 and chapter 12. Chapter 11, Jesus has this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, Jesus had already several, at least four times, predicted his, his death, how he was, the fact he was going to be betrayed. In fact, the last one, he gave more details. He was going to be flogged and handed over to the Romans, and then he was going to be crucified, giving them, them all these details. Now, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, knowing all his enemies, who had traveled all the way to come and confront him, were right there watching him. Jesus comes into Jerusalem in a triumphant entry. <laughs> he was looking for trouble. Yes, simply, he had already signed the dotted line. He was ready to be offered up. Okay, so we read about the triumphant entry. We read about Jesus clearing out the temple, declaring that his father's house is the house of prayer. And then we see the authority of Jesus challenge. All of this we will see in chapter chapter 12, chapter 11, sorry. In chapter 12, we will see the parable of the evil farmer and what lessons to learn from there. And then we see taxes to Caesar. To Caesar. Please get your Bibles. Let's read together. Mark chapter 11, Jesus' triumphant entry. 
As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village. Over there, he told them, As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and Lord needs it and will return it soon. Okay, so again here, what gift of the Spirit is, is Jesus demonstrating here? This is the gift of the word of wisdom in that Jesus is telling them to go and do something that he should not have any idea okay should not know anything about it was still in the future in a sense the gift of the word of wisdom predicts the future the world of knowledge tells you about something that has happened in the past something you should also not know so jesus tell them thus if anyone asks just tell them the lord needs it and will return it soon the two disciples left and found the court standing in the street tied outside of the front door and they were on and, and as they were untying it some bystanders demanded what are you doing untying that court they said what jesus had told them to say and they were permitted to take it hey i'm telling you big lessons from from i learned here from the disciples they said exactly what what jesus told them to say they said exactly what jesus had told them to say what has jesus told you what has jesus told you about your marriage what has jesus told you to say concerning that situation you are going through but i'm telling you if you have what jesus has to say or has told you about the situation you will get exactly the same response they got he says that they were permitted to take it Yes, you will see that you will be permitted to take your marriage. You will be permitted to take that breakthrough. You will be permitted to overcome that situation. Hallelujah. 7 says that then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it and, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others spread leafy branches uh, and others spread leafy branches they had caught in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestors David. Praise God in highest heaven. Okay, so Jesus is coming in the triumphant entry. He knows that the Pharisees and the elders and teachers were not happy to see him. Jesus did not care. 11 says, So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple straight. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. So what, why, sometimes you always have to ask yourself why some of the actions of Jesus. Jesus never did anything 
okay just the same way when jesus was baptized he told them let us do it okay to fulfill all righteousness the transfiguration was for a very cogent reason to prepare him and strengthen him for the cross the triumphant entry eh, was to announce him to the devil <laughs> come and try come and try your luck and the devil did try yes killed him on the cross and did not know that <laughs> he was ending everything he says then jesus returned to bethany with the 12 disciples next jesus causes the fig tree the next morning as they were leaving bethany jesus was hungry he noticed a fig tree in full leaf he noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off so he went over to see if he could find any figs but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruits so the question is has the fig tree done anything wrong it says there that it was too early in the season for fruit yes verse 14 says then jesus said to the tree may no one ever eat eat your fruit again and the disciples heard him say it so why was jesus provoked uh, to the point where jesus says this i guess jesus was disappointed right he saw so many so much leaf and thinking that it should have it should have something and this can be big lessons for us also many of us are like this fig tree we have so many leaves we have so many things going for us yet there is nothing there is nothing god can take away from our lives no fruits to show no fruits for sure. My prayer is that you will not be cursed like this tree. Jesus said, may no one ever eat your fruits again. Says, and the disciples had him say it. Then Jesus cleansed the temple. When the, they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. Remember the previous day he had gone to look at them and saw them doing it. I'm sure he just said, okay, let me just see whether it's just today. By the next day he arrives, he sees them that they were buying and selling in the temple. He says they were buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Yes, why? Because the um, religion had become for the highest bidder. It is those who had money, okay, that could really worship God. Jesus turned everything. He said, like, look, he, he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling those. He stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Of course, you find this in Isaiah chapter 56 verse 7. You also find it in Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 11. God's house is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. Church should be a place where we come to communicate with God. Where a place where we come to meet God. Not a place where we come to backbite each other and try to make profits from one another. No, it should not be. 16 says that when the leading priests and teachers of religious law had what Jesus had done, <laughs> they began planning how to kill him. Why? Because he was touching the money. Yes, 
he was touching the money that was what he was doing he was literally stopping the people from coming to offer the sacrifices okay if they couldn't buy any more in the temple how would they offer the sacrifices okay and then the rich that would have been coming before would just wonder that place is so rowdy and then they won't come anymore so when he began to touch their money hey they killed him he says they began to plan how to kill him but they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching that evening jesus and the disciples left the city the next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Lord, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, and I'm telling you, Mark 11 is so important. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. So the reason why Jesus caught this tree wasn't just because he was disappointed. Jesus was using it as an example to teach the, the disciples something very, very important. Okay, Jesus never did anything without a reason. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. May, in other words, um, it's still in the future. May you be moved, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. He says, and it will happen, but you must really believe it. Believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. In my opinion, this is how faith works. Faith has what it does not yet have. Faith has what it does not yet have. Faith has what it is not yet, it is not yet holding in its hand. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that you have not yet seen. Jesus says, he says, if you tell, I tell you the truth. If you say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. It says, and it will happen, but you must really believe it. Believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. For most of us, there is doubt there. There are questions there. We are not sure. Will God answer us? Will this mountain really move? Will I really be healed? Will I really receive this baby? Will God really do what he says he will do? Is it really my turn? We have questions and those questions plague our hearts to the point where we begin to doubt God. Jesus says, it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. He says, I told you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Believe that you received it. When you prayed, believe. Believe you are a child of God. Believe God answers your prayer. And I'm telling you, you will have what you asked from God. He says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Very important. Next, again, they entered Jerusalem as Jesus was talking through the temple. It was walking through the temple area the leading priests the teachers of religious law and the elders came up to him and they de demanded by what authority are you doing all these things who gave you the right to do them and i'm telling you it would have been very very funny right 
because Jesus was not a Levi, was not from the tribe of Levi, he was not a priest. So how could he be doing the things that he was doing? Especially because he also had he had proofs, he had evidence to show that the power of God was backing him. They said, "Who we'll give you the right to do to do them?" Jesus replies, verse twenty nine. I tell you, by what authority I do these things? If you answer one question. So you would have realized the strategy of Jesus, the way he will always answer questions with questions. Jesus replied, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human, human? Answer me. Hmm. They thought it over. He says they talked it over among themselves. If we say it it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. The question is, were they really, really sure? Would Jesus, would Jesus have asked them why they didn't believe in George, John? Maybe. But because of what they had no control over, they chose their response. And I learned a big lesson from that. Don't make your decisions over what you don't have control over. My pastor says that it is the recipe for madness. Yes, it is the recipe for depression and frustration. Don't make your decisions on things based on things you have absolutely no control over. So they didn't know Jesus' res- Jesus's response, but they already used it to determine what they were going to say. They said that he says that they said that if we if we if we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe him. We didn't believe John. How did he know that? Say, but do we dare say it? It was merely human. For they were afraid of what the people would do. So they just complicate. You see how the mentality of these people, they were so complicated. They said they were also afraid of the people. In other words, this one also is a situation that they had no control over. They were not so sure. Would the people could have reacted in a very different way? They didn't know. But that was what they based their decisions on. When you base your decisions on the things that you have no control over, you are signing up for, for failure and for frustration. He says, but do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then... I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Simple, wonderful wisdom. My prayer is that God will give you the wisdom to confound the wise. eh? The wisdom to escape all your distractors and enemies in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, let's move on to John, uh, Mark chapter 12, the parable of the evil farmer. He says, then Jesus began teaching them with stories. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, dug a pit for, for pressing out the grape juice and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crops. But the farmer grabbed, they grabbed the servant beat him up and sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent, uh, others he sent were either beaten or killed until there was only one left, his son whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, surely they will respect my son. 
But the tenant farmer said to one another, Here comes the heir to this estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. You see that Jesus was predicting his death again. <laughs> he says, What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I will tell you. He will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyards to others. Didn't you ever read this in the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has now become what? The cornerstone. That this is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful in our sight. Eh? The fact that they will reject the Messiah is part of the Lord's doing. And the Bible says the word, it is marvelous in our sight. Psalm 118 verse 22 and verse 23. It says the religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. <laughs> but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Hmm. You see that Jesus was just whining them and whining them. Eventually, they will do the work of their father, the devil. Taxes for Caesar next. It is later the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? If Jesus said don't pay, then they will go and report him to the Romans. The Romans, And of course, the Romans would have come because it would look like he was an insurrectionist. Okay, They would have come to take him out. So if he said... If he said pay, then it will look, if he says pay, then it will look like you are subjecting yourself, subjecting us, even though we are free people, you are subjecting us, you know, to the Romans. Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy immediately and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I will tell you. When they handed it to him, he said, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then Jesus said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Simple, okay? He says his reply completely amazed them, right? Completely amazing. Because if they give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, it does not offend anybody. Yes, <laughs> yes, the discussion on the resurrection. And this one is a very, very funny one. It looks like a discussion on marriage, but no, it was a discussion on resurrection. It says that then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question, teacher, Ma Moses gave us a law that if a man dies leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, Suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died without children. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her, Jesus replied. <laughs> you, 
your mistake is that you don't you don't know the scripture and i'm praying this morning god will cause us to know the scripture it says you don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of god in other words there is a connection between the scriptures and the power of god it says you don't know the power of god for when the dead rise they will neither marry nor be given in marriage in this respect they will be like the angels in heaven i think that is clear enough okay so because there will be no marriage in heaven <laughs> listen everything that you will do about your marriage will end right here on this head eh don't kill yourself yes god will ask you question in that god gave your marriage as a gift as a blessing and you will give account of it okay but that you will be married in heaven jesus said no all of us will be like the angels in heaven. Since but now, as to whether the dead will will be raised, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses, in the story of the burning bush? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, "I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac." And the God of Jacob. God said this at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. So he is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Not the dead. You have made a serious error here. Yes, they had made a very, very big error here, thinking that God is the God of the dead. No, people don't ever die. Did you hear me this morning? People don't die. When he says that God is the God, he should have said that I was the God of Abraham. But when God was talking about Abraham, God was talking about him as if he was present with him. And yes, he was present with God. People don't ever die. We just translate from, from where we are. We change literally. We change the address we have on this earth and we move on to another address. Next, Jesus will teach about the most important commandment. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandment, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, is the one and only God. Did you hear that? He is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. I'm telling you, this is, a, is the only one thing God asks from us. You'll find this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. This was the only thing that God asked from Israel. Love the Lord your God. Eh? Everything that they had walked into the law, don't wash hand, don't sit here, don't eat here. Women should not mix with men. And da, 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 da. Mm. Everything came down to this one law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What you will not do to God, don't do to people. What you will not do to people, don't do to God. Because it is in the people that you see that you prove that you have seen god before very important okay so when you claim you love god it will relate to people because that's what 31 tells us the second is equally important love your neighbor as yourself no other commandment is greater than this this is the one thing god will ask you do you love me i loved you i gave you my son jesus what did you do with him what did you do with my love and i'm telling you some people will stand before god and they will have nothing to say. 
you will have something to say in the mighty name of Jesus. Secondly, it is how we love people that shows that we love God. None of us have seen God before. But that day when we stand at the judgment, the proof that we love God is the way we treated other people. God will help us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. 32, the teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know and I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the bond offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Did you hear that? This man was saying the ultimate truth. Yes, love is more important than every bond offering. Eh? Everything you can do, eh? love beats it. Hmm? He says, yes. Bond of it says this is more important than to offer all of the bond offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, Jesus was saying that this man understood it, this topic. Eh? Learn from this man. He says, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more question. Next, we ask whose son is the Messiah. Later, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he asked, Why do the teachers of religious law claim that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I honor I humble your enemies beneath your feet. You find this in Psalm 110 verse 1. It says that since David himself called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? The large crowd listened to him with great delight. Eh? The religious teachers could not answer. Jesus also thought, beware of these teachers of religious law. For they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogue and edge table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Ah, you see the way you treat others, eh? God will ask you. Yes, they were cheating widows. They were cheating the poor. God told them, ha, and you will be praying. I will not count your prayer as anything because the way you treated people are even more important. Next, the widow's offering. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowd dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor woman has given more than all the others who are making contribution. If you were there, what would you have thought? Eh? Somebody came, gave a $1 million offering. And somebody came and just dropped two pence. Or let me say two, two naira in coins. And Jesus said that this person that dropped two naira has given more than any other person. What would you have said to Jesus? <laughs> Master, you don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> That's what the disciples would have been thinking. He says, oh, he said that this 
this poor widow as giving more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So you see, the way Jesus measures, measures giving, it is from where we are pouring out from. And we, all of us should give out of what God has given to us. If God has given you much, you should give plenty. If God has given you little, and that's fine, give from what God has given to you. That is what makes our giving, I'm telling you, powerful. And God will bless us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, that completes Mark chapter 12. I don't know about you. Big lessons I have again to learn from Jesus again today. The triumphant entry was very, very important. Jesus did not allow the threat to his life, you know, to discountenance him or to 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 threaten him from doing what God had told him to do. Instead, he was willing to confront, you know, the leaders of religious law. Also, we read there how faith works. Yes, maybe that is where I will share with us when I I do my write up today. How faith works. Is your faith working? How do you get your faith to work? Yes, I know that a lot of us want to hold in our hands. We have, we want to hold it in our hands before we will believe the Lord. But that is not how it works. If you are going to believe God, first of all, there has to be that relationship where you believe that God is not a man. He will never lie. Yes, he will never lie. If God gave you his word, take it to the bank. Believe it. Hold on to it and God will bring it to pass in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Lastly, let's learn from this woman who gave a whole. Yes, be a giver. Be a lover of God. Love God. Love people. And God will bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. I want us to pray this morning. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to walk in faith towards you. Father, help me to love, love you, love people in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I don't want to be a pretender. Ha, Jesus, I don't want to be a pretender. I want to be a lover of God. Father, thank you this morning. Father, from today, help me to walk in faith. Scripture says the jaws shall live by faith. Help me to walk in faith towards you in the mighty name of Jesus. From today, Lord, help me to love others. Help me to love my wife, love my children, love the people around me in the mighty name of Jesus. Like this woman, Lord, help me to be a giver. Jesus, thank you this morning. Father, thank you for your help. Thank you for your love. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.